0: Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Uh, just a, a quick note, wanted to remind you that we are going to have a Christmas Eve service, one at four and one at 515. Uh, somebody probably said that at the beginning of the service, but uh, I, I'm not sure. I just want to make sure you knew that. So thanks for coming out this morning and uh, being a part of Outward Church and, uh, and, and hanging out with us. So, uh, this morning, I have the privilege of, of preaching uh, what is uh, what has been called one of the most difficult sayings of Jesus Christ. And uh, if you weren't confused uh, at the end of that passage, then maybe you should be preaching this morning because uh, it took me a while to really understand this. This is one of those passages of scripture that you read and you just go, what in the heck is going on here? What? Why did Jesus just say this? Why did he say that? Uh, and so on. And so uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter, chapter 14. Let me just tell you at the top here that ultimately the question that we have to ask is what is our response to Jesus? Because we have some people here who their response is, uh, is, is off. They have objections. They have accusations uh, toward Jesus. And so the question we have to ask is what is our response toward Jesus Many of us find ourselves uh, uh, possibly kind of in the middle. Uh, we might be in the middle of, of of this, trying to remain neutral, trying to remain, you know, open to, uh, to some things. Many of us believe that, like, I, I just, if I clean up my life and I make things a little bit better than life, uh, life will get better. If I listen to the teachings of Jesus, that's great. That's, uh, that, that will help me kind of... Uh, become a better person, and in fact, I, I just had a conversation with a couple of really nice folks I, I happened to meet just uh, through some circumstances. I ended up sitting down with them, and I ended up, uh, uh, you know, they asked the question that I loathe, and that is, what do you do for work? And I, and, I, and then <clears throat> I have to answer, I'm actually a pastor. <clears throat> Excuse me. So sorry. <laughs> um, I'm actually a pastor. I'm, yelling over some really loud music and they're like why are you here and uh and I and I and I get to say uh I don't know because I wanted to hang out you know wanted to have a drink you know that that kind of thing and uh so then all of the uh all of their responses begin to come out all of their uh all of their misgivings towards the church all of their problems with the church and they're very real They're very real problems, they're very real issues, but one of the things that really stuck out to me is that they told me, like, here's all of the ways that I actually try to be a good person. I'm a good person and I don't need religion. I'm a good person and I don't really need uh, Jesus to do that or I don't need the church to do that. And the truth is that these folks have had such horrible experiences in, in a local church somewhere that I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. But ultimately, what it comes down to is this, is like, what is your response to Jesus? Not what is your response to sinful people who uh, claim to represent Jesus. Ultimately, the question is, what is your response to Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ? And that's what this passage really speaks to, is that we've got some religious people here that respond to Jesus in some questionable ways. And so he says this, uh, that the passage kind of sets it up in this way. I'm going to try to explain it and, and, and talk about it as we go along here, and we're going to try to get through this entire thing. We only may, may get through the, uh, the first objection, but uh, I, I'm praying you'll have grace on me if I, if I don't. And so uh, what it says here in verse 14, it says, now he was casting out a demon that was mute, so this is a, a, a demon, and I'm, I'm so glad that we have children in the room. Like this sounds crazy. Um, it is kind of crazy. It's supernatural. It's 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 kind of otherworldly. We don't we don't see that, a whole lot of that. It's really hard for uh, uh, modern people to accept that. But w- what the scriptures tell us is that this happened. I believe it happens today uh, on some level, and and but I don't know how frequently it happens. But this is what's taking place. It's also one of the reasons why this passage is so difficult to. Receive. So Jesus uh, is casting out a demon out of uh, out of uh, this person. The demon was mute, could not speak. Um, another passage says that the same demon was also blind, uh, and so the person who had the demon was, was both blind and could not speak. And so when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marvelled. So Luke. Wants to tell us a quick story. So Jesus is walking through town. He sees, uh, he sees this guy who can't speak. He obviously has a demon, whatever, whatever's going on. And Jesus just cast him out. So Luke wants to get past that story real quick. And he wants to get to what happens. And it says in this, uh, verse 15. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. So basically what they're saying is they're saying, uh, your power to cast out demons came from Satan. Came from the devil. So you've got these religious people, uh, these uh, scribes, these Pharisees, these people who want to accuse Jesus, and they're saying, your power to be able to cast out demons comes from demons. It's it's demonic in and of itself. And the second thing that they say is, verse 16, is, while, uh, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. So what we have here is we have some people see a miracle they see they have an experience with Jesus and they have two responses they have two objections or two accusations the first objection is that your power to cast out demons comes from Satan and the second objection or accusation is that your miracles aren't big enough to prove your deity so they're questioning what he did and then secondly they're questioning who he is. and So I want to go through both of those objections. So the first objection is broken down into two, uh, into two parts. And those uh, two parts are basically, he uses logic or reason. Uh, so uh, logic and then warning. The first part is logic uh, and then the second part is warning of this objection number two. So Jesus begins to reason with his enemies. Jesus begins to use logic with his enemies. So he, it says this in verse 17. But he, <clears throat> knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a devout, uh, divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Be- Beelzebul... Uh, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Now, a couple things about this little section. It, it's, it's famous, and it's famous in part because, uh, I think it was famous in Jesus' day, but I think it's also famous because Abraham Lincoln used these, uh, this very same phrase in, uh, in one of his speeches. And it's, it's, it's very famous, and you can read up on it online. But uh, Abraham Lincoln used it in, in, uh, in relation to the country. Uh, in saying uh, that a, a divided kingdom cannot stand, so Jesus is talking about Satan's kingdom and how that couldn't stand if if they're divided. Uh, 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 Abraham Lincoln was talking about the United States and saying that our our kingdom cannot stand if it is divided. So that's that may be why that might be slightly uh, familiar to you. But he says, uh, but he says this. He's basically telling them like. Uh, Listen, uh, if Satan is casting out Satan, then that doesn't really work. Jesus is using logic and reason, and he's saying, Satan cannot cast out Satan. Uh, Jesus is going to go on, and he's going to heal more people of demons. And he's like, is, is Satan, like, uh, with me the entire time, like, tearing down his own kingdom? He's like, logically, that doesn't work. So it doesn't come from evil, is what Jesus is saying. It, it, that, that doesn't make any sense. And then the second thing that he says is this. He says, by whom do your sons cast demons out? So Jesus is saying, like uh, 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 other Jewish contemporaries during that day uh, also casted out uh, demons, these Pharisees. These scribes, those those types of people, and so Jesus is essentially saying, if you condemn me, you're only condemning yourselves. Barclay says that in his commentary. If you condemn me, you're only condemning yourself because if I'm casting out demons by Beelzebub, and perhaps what they're what they're saying is this: is that like if you're saying the only way to cast out a demon is uh, through the use of evil, then you must be doing the exact same thing. So Jesus comes back to them with logic and he reasons with his enemies and he lovingly reasons with you as well. When you are thinking about who Jesus is and what your response is to him, oftentimes we come up with uh, reasons why Jesus can't be who he says that he is. Uh, There's reasons why Jesus isn't as powerful as he says that he is. Or there's reasons why I can't follow him. But the truth is, is that first and foremost, this is not blind religion. This is... A logical religion. This is a religion that is full of logic, and Jesus himself uses that. And he is lovingly reasoning with you today by saying this. He's saying, I want you to see that my power comes from God. I want you to see that my power comes from God himself and that he himself is God. And so he says that in the next verse. He says... But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Why does Jesus say that? Jesus says, if, if, uh, I've proven to you now that it's not by Satan's power that I've done this. And so therefore, this is by God's power. And if that's true, if it's by the finger of God, another passage says by the Spirit of God. If it's by the Spirit of God that... I am able to do what I'm doing, that I have this power, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, many times when we see people who come to faith and they have uh, maybe some pretty obvious problems, the people that know them um, see the, their way of life. They see their way of life before Jesus Christ and, and they, they see all of their issues. Perhaps they're uh, more of an angry person. They're, they're not gentle. They're not kind. They're not generous. Um, they uh, perhaps have uh, addictions. They they perhaps are people who um, have uh, broken relationships. They have um, all kinds of things. Many things that many of us have here today. But what you might see is that you might see somebody before they come to faith. They have all of these. They have all of these issues. They have all of these problems. And one way when somebody comes to faith that we can say like, okay, now all of a sudden, like this person, I'm beginning to see them change. Like my husband all of a sudden begins to speak to me kindly. Or maybe he or she is now faithful to me where they were unfaithful to me prior to that. And you who are perhaps an unbeliever might, might want to say, you know, I wonder where this comes from. Does this come from their own efforts? Does this come from self-help psychology? Does this come from, they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps? And you can kinda of say, you know, like, I, I, wonder, I wonder what it is, I wonder what's happening there. I, 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 and you might try to push that away and say, you know, I, I don't really believe that, that, that that's from God, I don't really believe that God is really that powerful, but Jesus says this, when he makes this case to these people, He's saying, if it's not Satan, then it is from God. There's only two possibilities here. Either you're, you're, ch- you're changed by the power of evil, or you're changed by the power of God. And if it is by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now what the heck does that mean? if it is by the Spirit of God that this person has changed, if your friend, if your spouse, if somebody you know changed by the power of God, then you've got a decision to make. You have got a decision to make. If that really was God, if God is really doing something, if you see someone in your life that powerfully shows, shows something other than when, what you know to be a part of them and their personality and everything. When God changes, when that changes, you have a decision to make. And the decision is this. Am I going to continue to try to illogically say that they did this by the power of evil? They did this by their own power. Because what you saw in that person before was you saw their faults. You saw their evil. You saw, you saw all their issues. And you're going to say that evil changed evil? You're, you're going to say that evil is the, is, the, is the source of this when somebody begins to live their faith? Jesus is saying... If I've done this by the finger of God, by the Spirit of God, you've got a decision to make. You've got a decision to make, and that is, am I going to be a part of the kingdom of God, or am I going to continue to be a part of my kingdom? That's what he says. So then he says something else, which is, very difficult to understand. We're still dealing with objection number one. We're still in that area of reason. Jesus is responding to the first objection, which is, you could only have done this by the power of Satan. And Jesus is reasoning with him. And so he says, when a strong man, that is, but, and when he says, when a strong man, what he's referring to is he's re- referring to evil power. So when a strong man, when evil power, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he, that is divine power, that is Jesus, attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides its spoil. Okay, what, what, what is Jesus what is Jesus trying to communicate here? Jesus is trying to communicate something. When you have something like this, when you have uh the issues in this life, in in your life. Why do we need divine power? Why do we need the kingdom of God to come in and bring change to us? Why do we need this level of power that can overtake this evil, that can cast it out, that can uh, overtake him and take away the armor in which this evil power trusted and divides his spoil? Why do we need that? Let me ask you something. Have you ever felt powerless to overcome the evil in your own life? Have you ever felt powerless to overcome that evil? Have you ever felt like there, there's, I, I just, I've always done this. It's always been a part of my life. It's always been something that I've struggled with. I just can't seem to overcome it. I just can't seem to change this aspect of my life. Why do you need the power? Why do you need the, the divine power? Why do you need the, the one stronger to take over the strong man? It's because of this. The strong man has power over each and every one of us. Earlier. In another sermon, we're talking about how Jesus recognizes this when he says, "Uh, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more so can your Father in heaven do that? Jesus recognizes this, that each one of us, without Christ, are possessed by evil. You might be asking yourself, Pastor Matt, did you just say that I'm possessed? Yeah. Each one of us is possessed by an evil power. It is an evil power that has taken over every faculty of our life. It has taken over every aspect of who we are. What the scriptures say, what God says about me and you, is that that evil power has taken over us. That that evil power is brought about by the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That that evil power is brought about by Satan's influence on our world. We All of us come forth out of our mother's womb being evil. Now how can a baby be evil? It, it's not saying that a baby is evil evil in and of itself, right, the, right in that moment, it's saying that a baby has the capacity to project evil throughout the rest of its life and will do so without Christ, without the Spirit of God dwelling in them. What this is saying is it's saying, if you, if you have ever, if you can be honest with yourself, if you can be intellectually honest for a moment, you will know that there's things about your life that you know that are wrong. When I sat down with that couple and I began to have this conversation and I said, the the words out of my mouth were, I'm a pastor. The thing that was immediately brought to their mind was this, they're evil and the church's evil. And by the time we got to the end of the conversation, which I couldn't continue because we had to go, it was the question was can you tell me what sin is what is what actually is sin do you know why do you know why it's because the evil that dwells in our lives that we put out towards other people is on our minds and the evil that's done to us is on our minds Jesus is saying this. When a strong man, when evil power is, exists in your life, and that is true of every single one of us, you might say, I don't really sin that bad. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't done anything. But let me just tell you, Jesus says, if you are angry with your brother, you might as well have killed him because that's what happened in your mind. If you even look at a woman lustfully." you have committed adultery. If you even, do you get what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, it's not just the big sin that's the problem. It was the thought that began all the way back here. So you can't say, you know, I'm not really that, that, that bad, but you know in your heart of hearts, like I don't wanna do these things because that would wreck my life, that would wreck my marriage, that would wreck my job, that would whatever, whatever. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, if you've ever felt powerless, if you've ever sensed, like, man, I really got to try not to do that. I really, Jesus is saying this. You need one stronger than the strong man or evil power. So Jesus has been reasoning with his objectors in objection number one. And now he's going to warn them. So I've just told you all all these reasons. We've gone from pretty basic logic, which is like Satan wouldn't attack Satan. That doesn't even make sense. To we're getting deeper and deeper and deeper into logic where Jesus is saying, there's a strong man who's overtaken your life and you need a stronger one than he. Now he's gonna go into warning. Now he wants to warn you. And he wants to warn me. And he says, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. (coughs) Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Why does Jesus say that right after saying, uh, and he takes away his armor, and which he trusted and divides its spoil? I mean, if I was sitting there at Jesus' feet, I would be like, what? Did you get that? Did you did you get did you hear that? Did you understand that? Jesus just communicated something. You need me in order to overtake the evil power. And what what he's now going to say, again, still using some logic and reason, is that he's anticipating. Remember, it says here earlier, Jesus knowing what they're thinking. Jesus knows what you're thinking you know what, I could just read the teachings of Jesus, kind of try to take on his personality a little bit, try to listen to him a little bit, try to really, you know, process that. And, uh, you know, I live a pretty good life. And Jesus says, no, absolutely not. Jesus says, there is no neutral ground. Neutrality? is actually unbelief. Either his works are of Satan, or they are of God. And if they are of God, then you got a decision to make. you got to pick a team. You must pick a team. There's no middle ground. Either you're for me, or you're against me. Jesus is, hear me on this, Jesus is 1,000% exclusive. Either you're with him or you're against him. And that's what this, this great couple what I, well, I, oh, I wish I, was, uh, I wish they were here today because I would love to preach kindly to them and to communicate to them. but you, you don't have that option. You don't have the option of just kind of taking on the teachings of Jesus and saying, you know, I try to be a good person. Jesus says this. This is what he says about me and you. Either you are living in evil with a strong man on your back, or you are living in the kingdom of God. Either you're living in your kingdom by your power, or you're living in my kingdom. Who, what does he say? He says, whoever's not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. It also means this. There's only one road to God. There are not other religions that have it right. There are not other, uh, other ways of, uh, of living life that God's going to be like, you know what, you kind of did the same thing. You know, this teaching of, of Buddha or Confucius or whoever it is, Muhammad, Muhammad. Uh, is basically the same teaching as this. And so, you know, we'll give you credit. You know, like in, in, in college, you know, uh, when, you, you know I, when I went to a seminary, I uh, did not have a lot of credits uh, from my uh, undergrad. And so they, they had to look at, like, here's my life experience. And they were like, you know what? You've been preaching for 10 years or however long. We're gonna give you some credit for that. We're gonna kind of do that. And then sometimes you can be like, you can CLEP, take a CLEP test out of a class, you can kind of clap out of this class so that you can be like, okay, I'll get credit for that because I kind of know that material already, and then maybe you pay for those credits or something like that, even though you didn't have to date. Jesus doesn't take clap credits. How did I just come up with that? I have no idea, all right. There was a moment there where I was like, is this thing going off the rails right now? Like, is this illustration got a little, little sketch, but uh, there's only one way to God. There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. Jesus says, either you're with me, or you are not with me. Either you're a part of my thing and the thing that I'm doing, or you are not a part of my thing. And Jesus is clear. Either your life is lived by the power of evil, or it is lived by the power of God by the finger of God, by the Spirit of God. Man, ah, I love that. Why is Jesus so exclusive? I remember this gal asking me that one time. She, uh, I was doing some construction stuff on her house, I don't know, remodeling something, and I, the only thing I remember about it is, is, yeah, I was pretty vocal about my faith, and, uh, and I remember her saying, you know, my, my one problem is that why is Jesus so exclusive? Why is Jesus so exclusive? And I didn't have a great answer to her at that point because I was just like, I don't know, I just, Jesus is the way, he's the truth and life. He says so and so I'm gonna follow him. But the truth is that we are all very exclusive about lots of things. We want an airline pilot, not a bus driver when we're flying, right? Lots of things like that. We're all very exclusive. And Jesus says he is as well. Another fantastically confusing statement here, which I love. This is part of the warning piece of objection one. So sorry if you're confused. But walk with me. Verse 24. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest and finding none. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. This is like a fantastic story. What? Okay. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I'd take a drink of water before I tell you this one. What does this say? When an unclean spirit gets cast or gets taken out of a person. What is, that, what is that saying? It's saying when an unclean spirit, when evil leaves a person, the way that we might say it today is we might say uh, when somebody turns over a new leaf and they make some changes in their life, they stop, they stop kind of doing evil and they start doing some good, albeit by their own power. But when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places. What are waterless places? Waterless places are like wilderness, desert places, places where evil dwells. In Jesus' time, that's what people believe. That's where evil dwells. Today, when we think of waterless places, desert, that, that type of thing, we think of beauty, perhaps. You know, various national parks. Things like that, places, you know, uh, deserts that we want to go see and so forth. In their day, it's like, this place is an evil place. So he's saying, evil has gone back to the wilderness, kind of where it belongs, and yet, it's seeking rest and finding none. So evil, this demon, gets cast out, goes out to the wilderness, it wants to take a nap. It can't take a nap because it's in the wilderness. And, uh, and so it says to, to himself, I will return to my house from which I came. What does that mean? The demon starts talking to himself. He's like, you know what? I really can't find a good hotel around here. There really is nothing very nice around here. You know what? I'm going to go back to, what's he say? My house. Who owns the house? The demon. The demon is still in possession of his house. What does that mean? Who is is the house? The house is the person whom the demon has been cast out of. Many times, we try to clean ourselves up. And let's just be honest, that the world is made a better place when people make moral changes. This is how God restrains evil in the world. It is a grace, it's a blessing from God that someone, even without the power of God, says, you know what? I'm going to stop drinking too much and getting drunk and perhaps getting a DUI or or, all of the things that could happen through that. That's a blessing to the community. Uh, That's a blessing to the community that, that that happens. But what Jesus says is this. He says... When somebody makes those kinds of changes, when that kind of thing happens, and that he witnesses that by, by saying this, when he comes, to the, comes and finds the house swept and put in order. So somebody has, in, in a sense, used some type of worldly power to, to uh, eject evil out of their life. And as a result, what happens is this, is that they have ordered their interior life. Their interior life was a mess prior to this. It was full of all kinds of things like dysfunction and relational discord and whatever it was, but there, there was all kinds of difficulty there. And so they've ordered their life. But Jesus says this, is that when you eject evil without the power of God and you order your life, you actually make more room for evil to exist in your life. And not as N- not just as bad as it, the way it was before, but even worse. Even worse evil. You see what he says. It brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. The last state of that person is worse than the first. So Jesus says, when you eject evil out of your life, what happens is this. You order your life, and you open yourself up to the possibility of contracting additional evil that is worse than the previous evil. You ever heard of this statement? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. It's basically putting down one thing that's evil and not picking anything back up to do. It's, it's, it's basically... Uh, putting something out of your life that's bad and not filling it with something that's good. Like if you're if you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to stop uh, eating carbs. I might have had this conversation with myself. Uh, I need, need to stop eating carbs in a night and I need to be more active. Uh, the problem is if I just stop eating carbs and then I don't work hard on being active and I and I don't fill that time with something other than just like sitting on the couch eating pretzels or something like that. If I don't do that, what happens is this, is I just kind of continue in the same place. If I don't input something else there. Now, that's that's a common sense reality in our world. Jesus is saying it works on a spiritual level. Jesus is saying that when, when you eject evil out of your life, but it's not By the power and the Spirit of God, you open yourself up to receiving additional evil. Think about Ephesians 5.18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but what? But be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. What the Apostle Paul is telling us there is that like, In order to overcome this issue of drunkenness, it can't just be that I expel drunkenness, but I must also be filled with the Spirit. In order to see my life uh, actually change and not take on additional evil practices, and not become just prideful in myself because I got rid of this problem, and I got rid of that problem, and I got rid of that problem. Have you ever met that kind of person? The person who grew up in a really rough home, they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. They became very wealthy. They became uh, very successful. They became all of these things. And now they're a complete jerk. Because Why? Because they have so much pride in their life. Because they were able to overcome all of the, the dysfunction from their earlier life. But now, here they are. It's like my uh, grass at my house. And I need to my actual grass that you walk on not the other kind of grass. I was told last time I said grass and mentioned it in a sermon I need to be more clear in Oregon and so and so so like I had a bunch of bluegrass in my lawn. Bluegrass looks just like regular grass almost it's it's a little bit different color. But I had a bunch of bluegrass in my lawn and so I got some crabgrass or uh, bluegrass killer and I sprayed it on there, I had to wait quite a while and, and, it, and it killed all that and what was left was this, my grass looks very thin now. And it's because I took out all of this, uh, this bluegrass. So here's my grass and it's very thin so there's lots of dirt spots, but you know what attracts bluegrass? Just dirt areas without grass, the best way for grass not to attract bluegrass, is for it to be full, for it to be completely filled in. What is God's offer to you? What's your, uh, what is God's offer to you? His offer to you is that you receive his spirit. His offer to you is this. Jesus is saying, "I'm, I'm warning you with this. Either you're for me or you're against me. Either I'm the one who does the work or you do the work and you're in a worse spot than you were before. If you do the work, it just opens you up for more stuff. Jesus, by his power, must change your life. And what he promises is this: uh John 7:38 says, Whoever believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water the internal change that happens in us becomes by the power of the spirit of god changes our life into one where we're not having to make the changes it is it is a wellspring. it is a well that bubbles up inside of us and what begins to take place is this is real change that begins to happen It says in verse 27, as he said these things, the woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. I'm going to end right here. A woman gets overtaken with emotion. She's hearing Jesus' teaching, she's feeling emotional about this, and as a woman, she's like, thank God for your mom, you know? Thank God that you were raised right, young man. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. I used to get that all the time from uh, people that come to the church, whatever. Man, I know your mom, and thank God for you, that kind of thing. That's what this woman is saying to Jesus. And Jesus says this, he says, yeah, my mom's awesome. But she's awesome because of something else. She's not awesome in and of herself. She's awesome because the word of God came to Mary. And said, you're gonna bear a son. And you're gonna call his name Jesus. Jesus. And he is going to be the savior of the world. And it was so outlandish. It was so crazy. But what does she do? Man, who am I to receive this blessing of being able to birth the savior of the world? Who am I to be able to, be able to have this? So there's this sense in her life where she's like, man, I don't have... I don't have the ability to bring something so incredible into my life, but God brought something into her life without her doing anything. So what what is it? It sounds crazy, it sounds nuts, and yet she hears the word of God. She hears the word of God, and what happens as a result? She believes. That's a clue to you and I. You're hearing the word of God this morning, and I've told you some very clear things, I hope. Either it's Satan or it's God. There's no middle ground. Either you're with me or you're against me. I am the only way to God. I am the only way to true life change. What is your response? What was Mary's response? Mary's response was yes. Mary's response was that she believes, that she believed. She believed the word of God. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God. And she didn't just hear the word of God, she kept it. What does keeping it mean? She hears the word of God, and she keeps it. How does she keep it? She acts on it. What is your response to Jesus? I've just told you who Jesus is and what he's done and his response to his detractors and their objections. What is your response to Jesus? Are you hearing the word of God and you're just going to be like, I'll take my chances? Because that's a big chance. It's eternal. Are, Are... is your response, you know what, I'm just going to continue to try to cast out evil with evil. I know that I've got evil in my life. I'm just going to try to keep casting out evil with evil. And Jesus says, that doesn't make any sense. Only a strong man, a stronger man, can cast out a strong man. What is your response? Are you hearing the word of God and then as a result saying, Thanks but no thanks. Or are you hearing the word of God and keeping it? And keeping it means this. It means availing yourself to the power of God. How do you avail yourself to the power of God? It begins with a clear recognition of your own evil. It begins with a clear recognition that I do not have what it takes to clean up my own life. I've seen that result in my life, perhaps. I, I, I do things a little bit better, it's like three steps forward, four steps back. Three steps forward, four steps back. I've seen that result. I see the own evil in my life, I've, I've, been, I've just been like, well, who cares? What difference does it make? Some of you don't even think that you're evil. Well, guess what? Those people did not believe in Jesus oftentimes. Those people were the religious people. The people that knew that they were jacked up and they were like, my life is finished, I'm through, I'm an outcast, I'm a sinner. Those are the people who who receive Jesus. And Jesus' offer is to you as well, but you must understand that you reside in evil. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more so the Father who is in heaven. It's a recognition that Jesus' word is true. The word of God is true about me. But then secondly, the word of God is true about him. The word of God is true about him. Who is he? He is the son of God. He is Jesus Christ. He is deity. What has he done? He takes your evil from you. And he says, I will make your evil as though it were my own. I'm going to take all of your I'm going to take all of your wrongness. And you say, how does Jesus do that? Well, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. And he says, I'm taking your sin. I'm taking your evil. I'm taking your stuff. I'm taking that. I'm taking it as my own. And what I'm going to give you as a result is I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a a new mind. I'm going to take your heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. The reason why you persist as evil is because you have a heart of stone. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a soft heart so that you can sense me, and I do that by the power of the Spirit of God. Jesus gives you himself. He gives you his goodness. And how does he do all this? He does it through the cross. Jesus' cross is the exclamation point. His resurrection is the proof. But Jesus' cross is the exclamation point that says, I love you so much, even in the midst of your evil, even in the midst of your inability, even in the midst of everything that you can't clean up about your own life. Listen, young man, young woman, Older man, older woman. Person who feels completely messed up. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He sees you in the midst of of your evil. He sees you in the midst of that. And his heart goes out to you. He longs to express his love to you. And he has done so already on the cross. And the only thing missing is this. That he wants you to get it. He wants you to see it. He wants you to understand it. And he wants you to receive it. And so how do you receive it? You might say this, God, I don't know how this blessing would come to me that I would have the Christ child in my life, but I want it. I know that I am evil and I know that I have sinned but I want your righteousness and I want your goodness and I see that you can provide that to me through the cross. That's the offer that Jesus has for you this morning. And for those of you who are online or just watching, perhaps you just stumbled on this live stream, I'm praying right now that you would act on this. Do not wait another second. Pray to God today and receive him as Savior. For those of you here, I say the same thing. And then I wanna hear about it. Fill out a connect card online. Tell somebody here today. Send me an email, matt at outwardchurch.com. I'd love to hear from you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blessing and your mercy. We thank you for the reality of your word. We thank you for what you're going to do in and through this passage in our lives. We pray that you would change us. As a result, Lord, I pray for those that feel stuck in their sin. And I pray that they would understand that they need to avail themselves to your power to be able to change them. We ask you this in your name, we pray. Amen. This morning we have the opportunity to participate in the Lord's table, which is essentially Jesus wanting to remind us that he went to the cross for us. It's Jesus wanting to remind us that he has given everything for us so that we could even have relationship with him. And so would you just take a few moments here as we uh, get ready to head back into um, singing together? Would you just take a moment? Would you just examine your life? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and just begin to ask these questions? Lord, how, how have I tried to just fix my life continually, how has my response been one like the Pharisees who just doubts your power, doubts your divinity, made myself equal with you, whatever it is? Lord, what sin do I have in my life that you lovingly and graciously have forgiven me for? What do I need to confess to you, Lord Jesus? Lord, we thank you for for forgiving us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I'm praying for the person right now that just feels so unloved. Just feels like they do not live up to your standard. Lord, I'm praying that you would just affirm to them that they're exactly right, that they do not live up to your standard and you love them all the more. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. It's like you're more loving because I'm more sinful. How can that be? How can you be so gracious? Why would you give more when I take? Why would you love more when I hate? But God, you are that good and we thank you for that. Would you remind us of it this morning? Jesus says, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the body. And he says, I poured out my blood. No one takes my life from me. I give it of my own accord. He says, I gave my life for you and I spilled my blood for you. Let's partake of the blood together. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Amen, let's continue to worship.